0: You're listening to a message from Whitefields Community Church in Northern Colorado. For more information and audio content, visit us at whitefieldschurch.com. All right, well, it's great to see you all this morning. If, you're, if this is your first time with us, it's great to have you. And yes, uh, Pastor Nick is up in Vail Valley teaching at the Calvary Chapel up there. But this morning we're going to continue uh, where we left off last week in the book of First Thessalonians. If you've been with us so far, we've been going through a series that we've called "Upside Down." And uh, it's Paul's letters to the first and uh, to the Thessalonians first and second Thessalonians, and we're in First Thessalonians chapter five this morning. if you want to f- find yourself, find your way there. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we've, we've taken our title from Acts chapter 17, where we saw the birth of this church. And it wasn't birthed in, in quiet or, or in peace, it was birthed out of turmoil. But the Christians there were accused of turning the world upside down, and uh, turning the world upside down for Jesus. And uh, so we called this series Upside Down, and let that be an accusation, of course, hopefully that we all could own that we'd turn this world. Upside down for Jesus. So if you have your Bibles there with you, we're going to look at our passage here this morning. And it is First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brother, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come. Upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief, for you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those get Lord, we just thank you so much for all the promises contained in this passage here this morning, and we thank you that we find ourselves, Lord, in you called children of light, and I pray, Lord, that your scriptures would just be open to us, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us, and uh, that you would be blessed as this time, as we gather in this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, if you have ever been part of a community group here at Whitefields, you know that our, our community groups are sermon-based groups where you get to discuss Sunday sermon, go through some questions maybe, dig deeper into the text, and even maybe pray through some of the issues that the text addresses. and Usually when we put out the, the, the sheets with the questions, we start out with a question, like a kind of get, a get to know you, uh, get to know you question, something like, hey, what was your favorite class in school? Or uh, what do you look for, for the most in a friend? Or, you know, what qualities do you look for most in a friend? Or what is your favorite movie? Or how does your life now, you know, how did you envision your life 20 years ago and what has it become now? You know, kind of as a way of getting to know people, people in your group, you know, getting to maybe finding common interest or, or finding out what others value. Well, this morning I have a getting to know you question to start out with and you don't have to shout out the answer. Just maybe write it down if you're taking notes or maybe... You can take a mental note and maybe discuss it later with your spouse as you're driving home in the car, or with your kids, or with your friends, or with your family. And so the question goes like this If you knew for certain, if you knew for certain that Jesus would return on this Wednesday at exactly 12 noon, mountain time, of course. What is the one thing that you would immediately go out and do with your life in preparation for his arrival? What is that one thing that you would immediately go out and do in preparation for Jesus' arrival if you knew he was gonna arrive this Wednesday at 12 noon Mountain Time? What would you go and do? So take a mental note, maybe write it down, think about it, you know, and, and process that as we go through our study this morning. Here in our text, we see that the Thessalonians, they had questions They wanted to be prepared for the return of Jesus. And they were worried if they would be ready for that moment. And they might have had real concern, actually, for Paul obviously used this word, the day of the Lord, as we had read there, the day of the Lord. At least for those who were Jewish and and knew the Old Testament scriptures, this phrase, the day of the Lord, would conjure up images of intense judgment and wrath brought on by God, they might have known scriptures. You know, like Amos five eighteen: Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord! Why would you have the day of the Lord? It is darkness and not light. Or what about Joel one fifteen: Alas for the day! For the day of the Lord is near, and as destruction from the Almighty it comes. Or Joel two one: Blow a trumpet in Zion, sound an alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. For the day of the Lord is coming, it is near. You can see why the Thessalonians might have had a hang up with this phrase, the day of the Lord, why they might have had fears surrounding this topic. And of course, it's not always referenced in the negative in the Old Testament. Zechariah 13:1 says, on that day, there shall be a fountain open for the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and uncleanness. Now, Paul had obviously spent some time on this topic the return of Christ, and as we studied last week, you know, and we will continue this week. The Thessalonians were preoccupied with with questions of timing, the timing of Jesus' return. They want Paul, when is he coming back? We want to know when is he coming. Paul, tell us. We want to know. And as we saw in Acts seventeen, this church was born out of persecution and turmoil. And I'm sure, you know, they were asking as many of you and I do when we're going through a really, really difficult time. We're like, Lord. Now is a good time to come back, you know? When are you coming back, Lord? Now would be the best time, you know? But Paul, gently, as a spiritual father and as a, as a pastor, he's gonna draw their attention to the fact that they're, they're asking the wrong question. The disciples had asked this question of Jesus back in Acts chapter one, verses six and seven, and they said, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus, he said to them, It's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his authority. And of course, you know that this was not the first time that the disciples had asked this question. Back in Matthew 24, 36, Jesus said to them, But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. Nobody, nobody knows the time that Jesus will return, but the Father only. So Paul is going to direct their attention to why he taught them these things and, and what to pay attention to as, as they get these outside influences. Maybe their anxieties attempt to sway their attention and get them anxious about the wrong things. You know? But Paul is not trying to duck this question. He's already made it clear to them that he doesn't want them to be uninformed about these things. He doesn't want them to be without knowledge. We learned that word last week, agnostic, or without knowledge about these things. And in chapter, I think it was chapter 4, verse 13, you know, he didn't want them to be uninformed about these things. He, he just wants them to know that they are, they're, show them that they're asking the wrong questions, you know. Those of you who've had kids or you've been around kids for more than a minute, you know, they go through this why phase when they're younger. You know, they've begun to talk, they've begun to acquire knowledge, and they, they go through this why phase, you know, and they'll say, Dad, why do I have to wear a coat and in the winter? And you say, well, son, because it's cold outside and it will keep you warm. And then, well, why? Well, why does it keep me warm? Well, son, because the material is thicker and that keeps you warm. Well, Why? Why? Well, why is it thicker? Well, well, my son, because layers of material keep out the cold better. Well, why? Why, dad? Why do they keep out the cold? And and well, so you stay warm and you don't get cold. Why? 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 You know, and so on and so forth and around we go. I'm sure many parents have been through this cycle of the the answer why to every every answer that you give, uh, the question why to every answer that you give them. But, you know, some of us less patient parents, of course, we've defaulted to the standard parental phrase for these occasions, well, son, because I told you so. But uh, Paul, he's a bit more patient, a bit more loving, and he answers their concerns, and he wants to show them that they, what they really need to be preoccupied about. And as for me, I'm very grateful that we have these words before us because i don't know about you but many times i'm asking the wrong questions of the lord i'm i'm preoccupied with the wrong things so so let's see what the holy spirit has to teach us through the words of paul today and so we're going to have we'll look at three points main points today the first one is the baby is coming the second one is children of the light and the third one is a new appointment the baby is coming children of the light a new Appointment as we get here. Let's look at chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Now, concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Paul is clarifying to them what he has already. Taught them. And just for our time or our study today, we should probably clarify what that word, what that phrase, the day of the Lord, really means. And as I already mentioned, this phrase is generally associated with judgment in the Old Testament and in the Bible um, for the most part. Man is his day and God has his day. And most people associate the day of the Lord with a period of time or a special day that will occur when God's will and his purpose for his world and for mankind will be fulfilled. And one theologian put it like this, it denotes the day when God intervenes in history to judge his enemies, deliver his people, and establish his kingdom. But you know, in the ultimate sense, the day of the Lord is fulfilled with Jesus judging the earth and returning in his glory. So this day of the Lord, it's one of the most prevailing themes across all of scripture. One out of 25 verses in the Bible, talk about the second coming of Jesus. So we do not want to be uninformed on the subject. The phrase, the day of the Lord, comes with the ideas of expectation, comes with nearness and and imminence. And Paul is going to expound for us on those a bit more. But he says to them, the answer to to your question is not when, but how. Not when the day of the Lord is going to happen, but how it is going to happen. It's gonna come like a thief in the night. In other words, it is a surprise. It's gonna be sudden. It's going to be unexpected. You know, a thief doesn't drop you an email or send you a postcard saying, I'll be robbing your house at 2 a.m. on Tuesday and to avoid any awkward, you know, uh, occurrences, please just stay in your room or wear earplugs while you sleep. You know, you don't get those in the mail. They just kind of show up and steal from you. You know, Jesus used the same phrase, the same reference or Picture, if you want to, uh, uh, if you will, in Matthew twenty four forty three. But know this, he said, that if the master of the house has shown, had shown in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. So some would say, then, well, why should we then pay attention to God's prophetic plan for the for the future? You know, the Bible is full of prophecy, full of prophecy. It's one of the ways we know that the Bible is true because there's so much fulfilled prophecy in the Bible, especially in the case of Jesus. But Jesus himself criticized the religious leaders in his day because they did not discern the signs of the time, specifically his arrival as the Messiah prophesied in the Old Testament. So this is not the case that Paul is making here. We can see that from the next example. He goes on in verse 3 and says, Um, Verse 3, while people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. So what can we learn from a pregnant woman? Well, the baby is coming. We can learn that the baby is coming. So from that first example, we learned that Jesus' return will be sudden and unexpected. But what we learn from the, the example of the pregnant woman here is that Jesus' return will be sudden, yes, but it's inevitable. It's unavoidable. It is going to happen. The baby is coming. It's, it's unavoidable. There are signs, of course. We see the size of the woman's stomach looks like the size of a basketball, you know? We know something's gonna happen. We know it's gonna, but it's always, you know, Something's going to happen soon. It's, it's, it can happen any time. But the labor pains will always a surprise. You know, if you've been a first-time dad, you've got the bag packed, you got the root plant to the hospital, everything's set. But when that moment happens, all panic it's rush. Did we have everything. Did we forget something? You know, it's a sudden thing. And then sometimes they're false labor pains. You get to the hospital and the doctor says, oh, it's okay. Nothing's happening. You can go home, you know, and, and so it's not quite time. But Paul's teaching us here that Jesus' return is going to be sudden it's going to be unexpected, but it will happen. And I think what Peter had to say in his letter really helps us understand Paul's point here. 2 Peter 3, 9, if you've got your Bibles, the, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises. Some count slowness, but his patience toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach Repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief and then the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and the works that had, are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people are you to be and live lives of holiness and godliness? Knowing how Jesus will return will affect how we live and we will come back and look at this verse a little bit later. Satan, he wants us to be preoccupied with the wrong things. But was it was it wrong to know for them to know, want to know when Jesus will return? Was that wrong to 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 know if they were prepared enough? I don't think so. I, I want to know when Jesus will return. I think you want to know when Jesus will return. I want to be prepared. I'm sure you want to be prepared, but I'm not gonna quit my job and stop paying my bills and sit out on my deck and look at the sky and wait for his for his return. You know, but the other extreme is not to care at all not not to live a life of expectancy just being caught up in the circle of life monday to sunday in an endless routine and the world will have us believe that we like kind of live in this sickly uh, 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 cyclical history with no beginning or no end all about karma you know what comes around it goes around but we know that history was begun by god and he will bring it to an end god god is the author of life and he will he will write that final chapter and we know how it's going to end. But when we are preoccupied with the wrong things, when we are preoccupied with the wrong things, we can become despondent with God's timeline in our life. You know, I think the Thessalonians could have been a bit despondent with God's timeline. You know, if if, if Satan can keep that pendulum swinging from between between apathy and unhealthy preoccupation, he can, he can keep us from God's true purpose in our lives and cloud our identity in christ paul's statement here in verse two is almost paradoxical in nature because he says the day of the lord will come like a thief in the night but then in verse four he's going to say but you will be ready but you will be ready i thought of the story of noah in genesis chapter six many of you might be familiar with that god was like noah i need you to build a boat and i need you to be ready And Noah did not know, you know, he started to build a boat, but he didn't know when God's judgment was gonna come upon the earth. His instructions were to be ready. And of course, you know, that boat was assigned to all that were around, you know, as he's building this this huge structure in a place that had never seen water at all. And people, of course, would come and inquire, what are you doing, Noah? And Noah would tell them about God's pending judgment. And I'm sure it was all a surprise to those people that did not heed he, Noah's warning, when those first you know, you know, raindrops started to fall and then, then, the, then the heavens opened up and it started to flood and the people literally realized that they had missed the boat. And just like Paul wrote there in verse 3, while people are saying there's peace and safety, then sudden destruction will come upon them. Jesus' return will be sudden. It will be unexpected. It's also inevitable. Who knows? Jesus might return Today, his return is imminent, maybe before the end of the sermon, you know, who knows. Remember that God, that, remember that get to know you question that we started with, that thing, you know, that you, you needed to do with your life if you knew exactly when Jesus would return. Well, maybe some of those things we should do sooner rather than later But Paul goes on here in verse four as we come to our second point, children of the light. Paul had had told them in verse two, remember, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. And then he goes on in verse four, but you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. Paul's going to contrast some, as we go through these verses four through seven, he's gonna contrast some ideas for us. Day and night, awake and asleep, and sober and drunk, day and night awake and asleep and sober and drunk, or sober is another word for that is self-control. And all these contrasts they serve to illustrate for us how we ought to be in light of who we are in Christ. So you can see those there in verses four through seven. He does this to show them why the sudden, imminent coming of Jesus will not be a surprise to them but a relief, a fulfillment of their hope of salvation. He does that by reminding them first of their identity in Christ, and in doing so, giving them a renewed confidence and focus. And so we read there in verse four, but you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light and children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. And we'll go into verse eight. But Paul says, You are children of the light, the children of the day. What does he what does he why does he say that? Because they have become new creations in Christ. He needs to remind them who they are in Christ. First Peter two nine says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. They've been called out of darkness. And not only that, they've been called children of the living God. If you are a believer in Christ today, then we are called children of light, children of the day, new creations in Christ. Yes, Jesus might return at any time, but that's exactly what our hearts long for it's what my heart longs for. Exactly, to be with our Heavenly Father. This present age, this, this present age is not our time. It's not our place. It's not our own. We belong to an age to come and we stand at that dawn, the dawn of the new age, the, the day of the Lord. We belong to that day now. This is good news. First John 2:8 says: the darkness is passing away, and the true light it's already shining. And you know, Pastor Nick has always, he uses this illustration a lot, talks about that picture we have many times where that moment, just as the sun above the horizon, you know, just as the sun is about to rise, you know, darkness is fading and the sun is just about to rise. That's where we are on the precipice, precipice of that, that the, when the sun is going to rise and, and the return, the revealing of the sun, the return of our savior, Jesus, that is where we stand. So what do we do then? What do we do then? What, that's the question. What, what does this all mean for us? Well, Paul tells us there in verse eight, so then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. Being children of something means that you are associated uh, with that thing. We, we then represent that thing. We represent the age to come and that should affect how you and I live And I wanted to return to that scripture we started in in 2 Peter 3. We already looked at it to give us a little bit more meaning to what Paul is saying there 2 Peter 3 10 and 11. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burnt up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness? And godliness. And this is essentially what Paul is saying. Since you are now children, since you and I are now children of the day, children of the night, how should you now act? First of all, we're no longer asleep spiritually. We're no longer asleep spiritually, but awake to the things of God. Paul told the Romans, So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. There in Romans 6. 11. He also encouraged the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 7. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part, no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. And remember, we've already looked at that in First Thessalonians chapter 4, what it meant to please God, what it meant to, to, to please God, what pleases God. When he returns, he finds us about the work of the Father, those things he's called you and I to do, those, those walking in the gifts that he has given us, looking for his return, but working for his kingdom, being salt and light to this world. You might have heard that phrase that Christians are too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. Too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. Well, we certainly want to be heavenly minded. That's for sure. But the reality, the realities of heaven should move our hearts here on earth to be used by God until the day he returns. I'm a Keith Green fan. Some of you might have heard of Keith Green. He was a he was a artist back in, uh, back in the late 80s, um, no, early 80s, late 70s, early 80s, uh, wrote many songs. Many of you might have heard them. He was a Christian, Christian guy. Unfortunately, he died in a plane crash with two of his children. But uh, I was listening to one of his songs this week called Asleep in the Light. Some of you might know it. And uh, Keith Green, he was not necessarily known to be subtle uh, in his music. Many of them called, kind of a, called him a prophet of the age, the John the Baptist of our age, uh, if you will. But, but uh, I was really struck by some of the lyrics towards the end of this particular song. And uh, it's not subtle. The, word, the world is sleeping in the dark that the church just can't fight because it's asleep in the light. How can you be so dead when you've been so well fed? Jesus rose from the grave and you, you can't even get out of bed. Oh, Jesus rose from the dead. Come on, get out of bed. You know, not quite, uh, quite the subtle lyrics that we're, we're used to nowadays, you know. Jesus rose from the dead. Come on, get out of bed. And I, I watched him playing it live. He was, must have been at some church. And, you know, people clap as he starts the song and they cut the song off right before he ended because I don't think anybody was going to clap at the end of this particular song because it was quite a... <laughs> it's like, uh, what do we do with this one? And, uh, but I, I share this with you not as a way to shame us into doing good stuff for God. That's not the purpose. But to illustrate Paul's point that we have been called out of darkness and with that we've been given a responsibility to be light to those who are still in darkness because for them... Because for them, the return of Jesus will not be good news but bad. It will not be good news for bad. They will suffer the penalty of their sin apart from the grace of God. Jesus said in John 3:36, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. And Paul echoed those words in Romans 2:5 because of your hard and impenitent heart, You are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. As children of light, we have been given the amazing opportunity to reflect that light back to the world. And Jesus himself redirects the question of the disciples to this very point when they asked him in Acts chapter one when he would restore Israel. He said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the father has fixed by his authority, but you will receive power you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and all Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And what is that good news that we have to share? What is that thing that we've been empowered by the Holy Spirit to share that we are to reflect back to the Lord, to the world around us as lights, as children of the light? What is that good news? Well, it's verse 9. It's verse 9. But God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus. We have put on that breastplate of faith and love and the helmet, the hope of salvation there as we read that in verse eight. And I love, Paul uses this imagery of soldiers a lot and, and it's very applicable here in this, in, in this instance as he shows this illustration. What is a soldier? Soldiers on guard. He's always, he's always watchful, right? He's always prepared. It might seem like a passive thing, of, you know, the guy's standing guard and he's not moving, he's not doing anything but he's very well trained, he's alert, he knows what's going on, he's ready for the moment when he needs to be, use all of that training and all of that knowledge. And you and I are preparing, growing in knowledge, abounding in love more and more, doing the work of ministry with the gifts that we have been given in anticipation of the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we do it because we have a new appointment new appointment, which is our third and our final point this morning. We are, we were appointed to wrath. You know that you and I, all of us sinners, we were appointed to wrath because of our hard and impenitent hearts, storing up wrath for ourselves, but God, but God, those amazing words when you were with us as we were studying the book of Romans, but God in Romans chapter five, verse eight, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. We had an appointment with judgment, with the judgment of God, but now we have been appointed to salvation because of Jesus. Just think on that for a little bit. We were appointed to judgment, but we have now been appointed to salvation because of Jesus. And if Jesus returns today we will be taken up with him. And if we die tomorrow, we will be in his presence, rejoicing in our salvation. That is the good news this morning. And Paul says, encourage and edify one another with this truth. He says that in the five, therefore, in verse 11, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. And this is the second time he did that. In chapter four, verse eight, he said, therefore, encourage one another with these words. That Jesus is coming soon and you will be found in him. You have an appointment to salvation. Encourage one another. The Thessalonians, they needed to hear these words. They needed to have their focus shifted a bit. Remembering who they were in Christ and what that meant. What they needed to be pouring their efforts into. That the day of the Lord was going to be the greatest day ever. The greatest day ever and a time to rejoice. Yes, to be reunited with those loved ones who had died, but most of all, to be in the presence of Jesus. And maybe you need to be encouraged in that truth and those truths here today. But maybe there is trepidation in your heart. You're not sure what will happen if Jesus returns at this moment. And if we have learned anything from our study today, it's that Jesus' return will come like a thief in the night. It's sudden, it's unexpected, but it will happen. The Bible says today, though, is the day of salvation. And don't waste this opportunity, if that is you here this morning, to make things right with God. The Bible says, repent and believe on the name of Jesus. Receive his free gift of salvation today. Last week, we sang that wonderful hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. And the last verse goes like this And Lord, haste the day when the face shall be sight, the clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend, even so it is well with my soul. Amazing, amazing verse. And I love to sing that. But what was the verse before that? What was the verse before that? My sin. Oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. Yes, praise the Lord because of what Jesus has done. It is, we can say, it's because of Jesus, we can say it is well with my soul this morning. We don't wanna haste that day, in that last verse. We don't wanna haste the day of the Lord before our sin is nailed to that cross and we bear it no more. Today is the day of salvation. And friends, as we close This morning, I just wanted to end with the last two verses of the final book of the Bible. I think it really sums up the essence and the tone of all that Paul has been teaching us today. So if you have your Bibles, Revelation 22, 20 and 21, and you want to underline that or or highlight or anything, and it goes like this, Revelation 22, 20 and 21. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Jesus said that. Surely I'm coming soon. And John, who's writing the book of Revelation, he says, amen, come Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all, amen. Come, Lord Jesus, come. We live and we wait expectantly in anticipation of his return. But until that day comes, may the grace of God fill our lives, you know, for his glory as we go day by day living out in the gifts that he has given us. So let's just stand and pray. Lord, we just thank you so much for your word. And Lord, we just thank you for the joy of your return, the day of the Lord. We look forward, Lord, to, the, to that day that you, Jesus, will return. And Lord, I do pray for anyone here today who's not sure where they stand with you, that they would not waste this opportunity to come right and that all of us, those things that maybe we need to get right in our lives, that we would take care of those things as well. Maybe ask forgiveness, seek reconciliation. or that you would do that by your Holy Spirit. Lead us in those things. And we thank you. We thank you for your word that you encourage us with us, that we can be found children of the light. We are yours, children. Children of the living God. We thank you for what that means, Father, that you walk up sin with your loving arms. We just give you praise in Jesus' name. You've been listening to a message from Whitefields Community Church in Northern Colorado. For more information and audio content, visit us at whitefieldschurch.com.